the stock rallied, okay? Three months ago, the stock would have been down 30% today, right? Today, the stock is up, I think it was up a couple of percent at the end of the day, right? What does that tell me? Well, that tells me that the market, market is smarter than me and you, the market doesn't care about today. The market is discounting today and focused on 2023, 2024, okay? They're like, you know, this too shall pass and there are better things to come. That was Gavin, I'm Rish, and welcome to Tomorrow's News. Any information in this podcast is not intended to promote or recommend any particular product or services offered by Bell's family and associates. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any investor. Before making an investment decision, investors should seek professional advice. This week, Gavin interprets the data we've seen in the last week, shares some of his market positions, and explains what's happening in the crypto space. Let's dive in. Hi, Kevin. Good evening. Good evening. It's Friday. It's been a little over a week since we last spoke. And from what I hear, there is a lot more happening. So would you catch us up on the markets? Uh, Yeah, well, look, since we last spoke, we've had a lot of data flow through markets. Um, Obviously, we've got a jobs number. Then we've got some CPI news. And, you know, we've kind of come to this view or we've been discussing this view of um, sustainable, durable, low or bear market rally. I mean, really, jury's still out, but getting onto the camp of durable rally. Now, got to be honest, think that there's some volatility to come. Historically, the next few weeks or month bring some volatility because markets don't just go straight up. Now, sometimes they do go straight up. So, you know what, I'm going to at least agree that there are times where the market just goes straight up, but it's rare. It really is rare. And so my view is that what we've got here is a durable low, there's potential little volatility. It's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens in the, you know, with the S&P 500 over the next, I'd call it the early part of next week. And so why is that? Well, historically, when you've come a long way from a low, markets check back. I mean, that's always true. But we're also in this period where the markets have gone down a lot. And there are some headwinds. I mean, there are headwinds in terms of the economy. There are headwinds in terms of corporate earnings. Um, there's headwinds in terms of global liquidity. But I would say that markets climb a wall of worry. And although I have a small short position on an S&P 500, which is losing me money right now, so I'm long volatility in S&P 500, and I'm going to be losing some money here. I'm much longer the market, right? And uh, because I think that what you see here is some pretty punchy type performance over the next little while. So the question is, when do I think this is all behind us? Probably the middle of September. 
right? And that's the challenge, right? I mean, you you don't buy insurance uh, when the flood hits. You kind of have to buy it before the flood hits. So I think we're going to get a little volatility, but I think it's going to create an, an, an amazing buying opportunity. So that's that's where my head's at at the moment. Thank you. That was concise. That was a lot. We can like end the episode right here. Um, <laughs> no, but I do have some questions for you, right? So like you said, I mean, you've mentioned the wall of worry before. You have spoken about how over time the markets do go up and all that's great. We spoke about like there was that joke you mentioned about inflation and how the feds might have already overcorrected and they should be reducing in the coming future. So we do see that inflation is sort of stabilizing, sort of going down. We do mm -hmm. see that consumers are sort of you know responding to that. Gas prices have gone down. That's also helped. Like in view of all of this, my question is around like as markets go up, are there any specific areas? Are there any specific asset classes? Are there any specific industries? Are there sure. any great, specific great, spaces great. you have your eye on? Yeah, so great question. So if you'd asked me a couple of months ago, I would have said NASDAQ would really struggle um, here. I'm sort of having to pivot that view a little for a couple of reasons. Yeah. So for, firstly, when I review the macro thesis around employment, so if you look at the, the bright spot in the economy and the dark spot as it relates to the Fed pivoting earlier, it's employment. Okay, It's not the only one, but it's certainly one of the major ones. So what's going on with employment? There are very few people and every person has a lot of job opportunities. And the people that have jobs are finding that their employers are willing to pay them a little more to stay in those jobs because it's hard to find new people. So that's good news for employees, because actually the stats are, you know, your real earnings have been deeply eroded over the last 20 years, but they aren't keeping, by the way, your real earnings aren't keeping up with inflation even today. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of inflation. Well, how do you fight that? Well, you, you, worker productivity has gone down, not up. Now that's gone down because when you can't find anyone to hire, you hire anyone. And in general, you're probably hiring people that are less capable. Right, like just easy. You use technology, right? You try to figure out how do you start to gain efficiencies by investing in tools that allow you to uh, gain additional efficiencies out of a smaller workforce. And technology does that. You invest in offshoring, right? You hire developers in in India and, and Eastern Europe and whatever. But in order to coordinate those developers, you utilize um, outsourcing companies in the technology space. You utilize tools to communicate with those developers and for them to collaborate on. So I see the role of technology potentially being viewed by the market as being more important to the story as we go forward, okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing is that what has been going on in the market currently 
and you could look at it in Roblox, which is this gaming company, their numbers, right? So they had weak, they've been lowering the street expectations, and then they came in under the newly lowered expectations, right? Things are going bad for them in the near term. But the stock rallied, okay? Three months ago, the stock would have been down 30% today, right? Today, the stock is up, I think it was up a couple of percent at the end of the day. What does that tell me? Well, that tells me that the market, market is smarter than me and you, the market doesn't care about today. The market is discounting today and focused on 2023, 2024, okay? They're like, you know, this too shall pass and there are better things to come, okay? It's a very important moment. Now, it may not last. It may not last. Lots of reasons why it may not last. But for today's conversation, for today's market, for today's S&P 500, it is all about what is the market? The market is telling me we're about, we're about 20. The market is telling us it's about long duration assets. That means companies whose performance we will only understand in detail in a few years, right? Like they're, earning, they're generating revenue, but they aren't generating earnings. They aren't, they aren't really coming into their own for a number of years. So that's what the market is telling me today. It's also telling me that a lot of people, including people that I speak to who are very smart, are short. They're short. They say it's going down. We've got a million good reasons why it's going down. Stocks are too expensive. The Fed is still reducing liquidity. People are going to be losing their jobs. You know, I have too many reasons for me to count. Okay? But everybody knows this stuff, right? There's, nobody's confused about that. And so what we have here is a little bit of a battle because there's a lot of people that are short. Now, something a lot of investors don't understand is that if you want a stock to go up, having a large short interest is a great way to do it. Okay, why is that? Well, when you have a large short interest, what does somebody who is short a stock need to do in order to realize their gain? They need to buy the stock, right? They need to buy the stock. Anyone who is short is a natural buyer, okay? At some point they sold the stock, some point they got to buy it to make their money or do whatever they're going to do, okay? So they're a buyer. Quick refresher, having a short position involves selling a security whose price you think is going to fall, with the plan of buying it at a lower price in the future, and going long is the opposite. Now let's say I'm long a stock, okay? I bought it at 100, stock's at 25. What do I need to do? Well, nothing. I can hold it, I can sell it, I might buy more, but I don't need to do anything. But if I shorted it at 100 and it's a 25, what do I need to do? I gotta buy it, right? Now I might say, hey, it's going from 25 to 10, so I'm not gonna buy it yet, but eventually I gotta buy it. And what mostly happens is I get worried that it might rally a lot and all my victory will, will be gone, right? So it always gets a little touchy. And remember that there's a reduced number of shares outstanding. So there's always the risk that my ability to borrow the stock goes away. 
So the market overall basically says we're going down, but the more it goes up, the more scared people become that maybe they're wrong. Maybe it's going up. Maybe they're not only not invested, but they're short. They got to cover their short and then they got to buy. Okay. Now they don't need to do it today, but they, they got to do something. They got to think about something. They got to take an action. And that's why I think the current setup is pretty bullish for equities for the next little while. Now, as I said, short a little S&P 500, long a little VIX, I'm losing money doing that, right? But I'm long a lot of other stuff on the other side. I'm long crypto uh, because I think crypto has more to run. I'm long Russell 2000 because I think small cap stocks outperform big cap stocks. And then I'm wrong along some speculative um, positions. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I was actually also going to ask you about crypto, right? Like the way the markets are changing at the moment, the way inflation is changing, everything happening, is that having an effect on crypto? Is crypto sort of immune and buffered from this, at least for the moment? Great question, right? We don't know. We don't know. I mean, part of the challenge of all of those arguments about crypto and correlation and what does it all mean is that it hasn't been around long enough, right? And even stuff that has been around a long time, like gold, it's sort of unclear what sort of hedge gold is too. I mean, it's just not, it's not, it's not perfectly linear. And that's just because the world doesn't work in a perfectly correlated way or linear manner. So we can argue that crypto is a hedge against inflation, a hedge against the the debasement of currency. And we can talk about that all, all, all month long. I don't know one way or another. What I can tell you is that at the margin, every day that goes by, more people think I should probably own a little of this space because something is happening here and it's likely to be material to the future, right? And so while I don't know whether or not Bitcoin has formed its lows at 18, approximately 18,000 trades at around 24 today, I don't know that that's it, right? Like it'll never go lower. I have a pretty good guess that I think we're gonna trade 21 to 24 for a while we might break out it takes a few things to make that happen sorry i remember you also saying like it'll maybe go to like a low of 24 22 20 000. so we've been hovering around that for yes. a while absolutely which is i guess yeah. also why i'm wondering if bitcoin is going to be reflective of the markets is you know just crypto in general is it functioning as an entirely different space an entirely different i mean it is a different asset but is it functioning independently uh, yes, okay, yes and no. And that is because at the end of the day, you, you can't really tell from what's going on and you can't really tell what the drivers are because there are so many cross currents, okay? So we've got the, you know, we had major news that BlackRock and Coinbase are aligned now on institutional trading and custody of Bitcoin through BlackRock's Aladdin platform. Aladdin is basically a, a trading platform that a lot of large 
funds use, not just BlackRock, but many others. BlackRock has now also put in place an institutional uh, ETF to allow Bitcoin to be held by institutions very easily and efficiently. So many things going on that point to incremental adoption. But, you know, is that correlated to how people are thinking about inflation or is it correlated more to we think this asset is going up or is it correlated to we own zero, we should probably own some? I don't know, right? You know, we've got some major news that's happened in Ethereum that the merge, which basically takes it to proof of work, which is a certain kind of approach to security to proof of stake is going to occur probably September 15th to 19th. So, you know, it's appreciated significantly over the last few days. Again, that, that merge may not work. I mean, we think it will, but who knows? Ethereum on the other side of that conversation is a very interesting asset because it, it actually has what we call a burn function. That is that there's going to be every day that goes by and the more users that there are, the fewer Ethereum tokens there will be in the world, right? So if you think about it, the US dollar is the opposite. Every day that goes by, there's more of them, even though it appreciates relative to other currencies. Here you'll have an asset that, you know, has a broad base of ownership and support, but that every day that goes by, there's just fewer of those assets to buy. In theory, like stock buybacks, it should mean that it appreciates in theory. You know, it doesn't, it's not linear, of course. Right. But so can I um, clarify? Yeah, I'm a, do please. you mean that they actually reduce the number of tokens or that yeah. it is a specific limited number? No, they actually reduce the number of tokens. We call it burning them, burning tokens. Why is that? So what we do, it's just like a, a share buyback. Okay, imagine you got a company and it's got 100 shares outstanding. And you say, look, every quarter we're going to buy one share share in the market okay and we are going to then take that share and we are going to reduce our share count that is we are going to eliminate the share they bought that share i owned one share one one hundredth i then own one ninety ninth and then the next quarter one ninety eighth and so forth okay my percentage ownership goes up right all things being equal if all things were equal about the earnings and revenue and everything my uh, my shares should appreciate. Like the value of it. Right, the, the value should appreciate. Well, they do the same thing with Ethereum. What they say is a portion of the fees that are generated will be used to effectively acquire and burn tokens, right? So basically just remove them from the total number of tokens. So it becomes deflationary over time. That is over time, fewer and fewer and fewer tokens are available. You know, this is generally a good thing, right? Because you've got a business that's naturally uh, creating lots of value in the community. One assumes for Ethereum that that's happening. But on the other side, value is being created, but the underlying asset effectively is becoming more and more valuable because there's just fewer of these Ethereum tokens to buy. Okay, so price should just appreciate over time. And once people know that that's the model, price may even appreciate even more, right? Because you're like, oh my goodness, where could this go to? How many would they burn? What if usage goes up? In all kinds of models, you can get Ethereum to be worth $8,000 and, you know, trades at 2000 today, you know, so 
yeah thank you gavin what do you so what's in tomorrow's news can you tell us what's going to be in tomorrow's news i think we are going to be surprised at how much the s p rallies in the month of august and i think we're going to be surprised by how much volatility there is in the market over the next three months so if you don't own any be be aware that you're probably going to get a buying opportunity over the next i'm going to call it six weeks that could be pretty exciting but that buying opportunity could be pretty shallow and it could start from a higher level than where today so just be aware that the bias of this market is we've seen the the bear market lows already and that the balance of evidence would be that if you bought the s p 500 today you would have a double digit return in 12 months you'll have a better return if you buy the russell 2000 and i'm still deciding but you may even have even a better return if you buy nasdaq i'm not sure about that yet hopefully that's helpful right thanks for catching me up gavin always great chatting with you rish have a fantastic weekend and um, talk soon next week we'll catch up next week and that's tomorrow's news if you have questions for us or if you want gavin's insights on your favorite market topics ask us on the bfa discord at the link in the description we'll be back next week Bye.